Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon episode 41, Reek in a Dance with Dragons, episode 2 and 3. I'm Chloe, one of your hosts. You may know me from the internet as Lies and Arbor on Twitter and Tumblr, or from my blog at liesandarborgold.com. And I'm Eliana, another one of your hosts, and you might know me as Glass Table Girl from the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, the Mason Monthly Podcast, or as Arithmetric over on Twitter. As a quick warning, uh, we are, of course, doing the Reek chapters, so we are going to be discussing, once again, issues of abuse in all sorts of forms, as well as sexual assault. Yes. Turn back now. Ye who enter. That's how I feel. These chapters are really rough. They are. I think they're a little, I think, easier to get into after having just gone in after that first chapter. Dipping your foot in. Yeah. But it's so, it's so dark. We'll talk about this later, but like, it just gets very macabre. Yeah. Need to lift me up after this one. Absolutely. I'm like some, some vitamin C, some sun. I don't know. Something. We might have an early Something. spring this year, according to the groundhog, who, you know, is a licensed meteorologist. Oh my god, is he a, uh, what's the house? Oh, I don't remember. Blount. <laughs> is it? Oh god. He's a blount. Oh He's no. Blount? Anyways. <laughs> oh no. We did get an email from one of our friends, Amin, over from a podcast of Ice and Fire. Check them out if you have not. He has emailed us asking if we knew anyone that might be playing the Game of Thrones board Game of Thrones. Uh, he has a survey to gather statistics from such players in support of a tournament to be run by the game designers, and he just wants to find out if there's player interest. I know a lot of people do love the game. We play it at Ice and FireCon every single year. I personally have not played it. You know me, I'm a Crusader Kings junkie, so my time is very limited these days. <laughs> Uh, but if you're interested, hey, there's a link in our episode description. Please click it, check it out. We'll tweet it from our Twitter account as well. Do the little survey if you'd be interested in something like that. An official tournament run by the game designers. That's That'd be awesome. So this is super exciting. Um, at Eliana, you have tons of experience with this game. Right? <laughs> I have a non-zero amount of experience. I have, I've played it a few times. I'm not an expert or anything. Um, having just not played a lot of those games that require the conquering of various things, but I tend to describe it as, it's like Risk, but Game of Thrones, but I don't actually know if that's true or not, but it's it's a fun game. <laughs> it's it's one of those games also that is a large time commitment, but I think... I say time-consuming. Yeah, but I think that's fun. It's, it's a great way to spend an afternoon with your friends, and it has... Interesting art. I found out recently that apparently it might have come out before the show. I didn't know that, mm -hmm. and that explains everything to me as to why the cards use the artwork from the Fantasy Flight games. So that's pretty fun, too. Yeah, I've, I'm not a huge board game person. There's a bunch of people that play them Ice and Fire Con, and it's not... I just don't play them. Yeah. You know, like, I just never do. So we should totally get down on that Ice and Fire Con at night or something. When we're in the middle of the night looking for something, they have a to whole do. tournament there too, right? At Ice and Fire. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't ever think about playing them. You know, it's I live in a two-person household, so a lot of games aren't as fun with only two people. Not as far as board games. I enjoy board games. They're not my strength, and mm -hmm. 
They're not my strength. They're not. And also, I'm probably even worse at them when drunk, which is what I tried to be that entire weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm bad at games. I'm like very bad at games, but I still play them. I love them. Yeah. It's just I'm very bad at them. I, I do play a mean Rainbow Road in Mario Kart. I learned that this week that I am unstoppable on Rainbow Road. It's my only superpower. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That, no, one. that's great. I've been, uh, I picked up Dark Souls again and it's i'm not very good at it i think most people aren't good at it but i've heard it's very hard i have heard not just like you're not it's, alone yeah you're not it's alone. fun um i think that what i turns out i am good at probably because i'm so invested in the song of ice and fire fandom is figuring out the lore and oh i don't know if there how much lore there actually is but it's that history nerd inside of you in there like trying to find out about all these different Cultures and dark souls. Well, there's that and piecing together the story of what is happening in the game, even though that doesn't actually matter because you just go around and you kill things, which is... Oh, that's the true matter. That is the true story for (laughs) all of us in life, maybe. No, never mind. But that is the story maybe for Ramsey moving into... Speaking of sneaking around and killing things. Our chapters... Yeah, lightning round. Last episode, if you guys did not listen, I don't know what you're doing here. Turn around, go back to the last one. It's important. It had an amazing guest. We had bookshelf stud Michael on. Uh, We discussed week one, so we did miss some chapters now as we enter week two, and we are going to talk about those chapters real quick for you. Yep. Brand two, the party arrives at the three-eyed crow's cave, and they're ambushed by whites. Jojen has grown weak, and the party is famished. Coldhands and Bran both defend the group, and Coldhands leaves them to meet the last Greenseer. Or is it? Tyrion 4. Ignored by Griff and done watching young Griff's lessons, and Lamore, Tyrion plays a game of Sivas and wins an important prize, information. A lame prize. No, (laughs) it's a good prize. Hey, whoa, whoa, knowledge. Power. can't eat it davos too <laughs> davos arrives at the merman's court noting that they are not raising banners in support of the king capital k daenerys three zaro zoandaxos flatters daenerys while getting his message through marry him flee or there will be war marry fuck kill <laughs> john four kill, kill, kill christ kill. john four john count counsels Stannis on the north while Stannis tries to make him a lord. Tyrion 5. Tyrion reveals himself on the shy maid, but is swept into the sea at the stone men's attack. Davos 3. Lord Manderly calls for the traitor's head. Reek 2. Reek is allowed to live as Theon for a day as he rides toward Moat Caitlin under a peace banner. The Ironborn surrender to Ramsay and Theon, and Theon meets Lord Bolton and Ramsay's new wife, Arya Stark. Week two begins with him being allowed to dress like a lord for a day. He is given warm clothing, soft lamb's wool fur cloak, and then Damon Dance with Me threatens him as Theon saddles the horse. Something I noticed lately is that like 90% of the Damon's in the plot, right? Like Damon, 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 Damon. They're all written as like villainous characters or sexy badass assholes or some shit, yeah. right? Like 
Damon Targaryen, Damon Blackfire, Damon Dance with Me. And our buddy Jeff, Brendan B. Fish over at Nauticast pointed out that Damon from Fever Dream, uh-huh. another piece by George, also fits this trope. So who hurt George named Damon? Like, who was it? Yeah. Who did this? Is it supposed to be like the word demon? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm guessing that's another thing, but... I liked the Damons in, you know, the trailer dropped today for the His Dark Materials series. Yes, yes, I did hear that. And did you uh, notice that Lin-Manuel Miranda... I didn't know he was casted in it. I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, okay. That was great. He's there for, like, a whole series. Like, good for him. I didn't realize he was um, actually committing to branching out into television acting, so... Yeah. Good for him. Um, sorry, got sidetracked, everyone. <laughs> yeah, back to back to Damon dancing me. So Reek is afraid this is another jape on the bastards, boys, and Ramsey that they're going to chase after Reek once more for sport. The start they had given him was a wretched thing, knock-kneed and half-starved. He could never hope to outdistance the fine horses Lord Ramsay and his hunters would be riding, and Ramsay loved nothing more than to set his girls baying on the trail of some fresh prey. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he's thinking about running, but he knows there's nowhere for him to go. He's outnumbered. He has a pretty shitty horse. Uh, If he tried to go, it would be stupid. He would just be punished horribly and then meant to live through it, which is awful. So he settles. He knows he has to bring Ramsay, Moat, Caitlin. To go forward, you must go back, Reek. That is a lot of his storyline, though. It actually is. It really is. It's him getting a do-over of... Well, not really, but <laughs> he gets nothing. It's something. Poor it Theon. is a something. Poor Theon. He- I wish I wish he could have just a do over. Just say, let's just rewind. Try it all over again, pal. He remembers the last time that he visited Moat Kalen, but then he stops himself because those memories belong to Theon, not to Reek. His name was Reek. He had to remember that. Reek. Reek. It rhymes with leek. When that other man had come this way, an army had followed close behind him, the great host of the north riding to war beneath the gray and white banners of House Stark. Reek rode alone, clutching a peace banner on a pinewood staff. When that other man had come this way, he had been mounted on a courser, swift, spirited. Reek rode a broken-down stot, all skin and bones and ribs, and he rode her slowly, for fear he might fall off. The other man had been a good rider, but Reek was uneasy on horseback. It had been so long. He was no rider. He was not even a man. He was Lord Ramsay's creature, lower than a dog, a worm in human skin. <laughs> and so... Yeah, it's very sad. Oh. He's, this is like, the man is broken. The broken man. Like, he, he is, is just that. like, this is him, completely broken. Like, there's, this is the bottom, man. We're, we're really seeing Theon's struggle between the duality of those identities Throughout this chapter, those peaks of Theon coming through on the Reek side. And we see him wrestle with all of these ghosts Mm -hmm. as he passes through the different northern lands. Like he's remembering the last time he was here, the men he rode with. But now he's an animal in this world that is no longer his to be in. Mm -hmm. He's been reduced to a hound and starts wearing a collar like it by the end. And that's because Ramsay tells Reek that he can be his dog if he completes this task. Which, um... I don't know, that doesn't sound very fun. We find out then that Theon has actually been losing body parts, like his fingers. 
He's down three fingers, so he'd obviously rather be a dog uh, than continue to lose fingers. I mean, yeah. yeah. I I mean, when I was a child, I wanted to be a dog when I grew up. It's not great, I think, in this yeah. context, you know? I wanted the good parts of it and not the... What are the good parts of being a dog, Eliana? Please tell me. Um, okay. You get treats, and you get to, like, hang out with your master. You get treats. And then you get to, like, play and run, and then you get petted, you get belly rubs, and then you're, like, adorable and fuzzy. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to live that long, either. Yeah. So that's I mean, a, I was four years old. I only had another, theoretically, what, ten more years. <laughs> then... Perhaps that would have been better. I love four-year-old Eliana. She's my real G <laughs> right there. She gets Four-year-old me. Eliana wanted to be a dog, also a horse, so... and Also a horse. Still kind of wants to be a horse. Yeah. Reek knew the cost. Seven, he thought. Seven fingers. A man can make do with seven fingers. Seven is a sacred number. He remembered how much it had hurt when Lord Ramsay had commanded Skinner to lay his ring finger bare. So at the same time as we go through these Reek chapters in A Dance of Dragons, in Adoda, so we call it. <laughs> oh, that's right. That is what we call it now, Adoda. <laughs> that's what we call it. Uh, as we pass through Adoda, it just feels good to say. It does. You know, it's, it's better than this chapter. This chapter hurts. As we pass through A Dance of Dragons, we're also reading Davos's chapters. And this little passage kind of has some interesting parallels to a lot of what we read in the Davos chapters, because Davos almost seems to regard Stannis as his god, as his religion, as we've kind of been reading since the Clash of Kings. And of course, we also are reminded of the way that Lady Donella Hornwood was forced to eat her fingers in the tower, Ugh. and no one heard her real pleas, which is where Reek is now put. He's kind of our prince in the tower with that, right? Eating his own fingers off. Yes, exactly. Um, it makes you wonder, so they frame it as Donella having starved and eating her fingers, but you kind of wonder... Well, was you it get both? that when Reek yeah. gets his flate, he wants to put it in his mouth to ease exactly. the Exactly. So it's like... So people thought, but he was really flaying her fingers, probably, yeah. and she was probably, in the it, end, eating his... Oh, it might have been a little column okay. A, little column B. I think it was yeah. all three, yeah. I think it was all of them. Oh. But yeah, I like oh. the way that you framed it as, you know, discussing how Dav Davos is thinking of Stannis as his god and all of these, like ideas of the gods coming back in human flesh which is what a lot of those messianic stories in in a song of ice and fire are touching on because there's like a lot of warped religious stuff like you know we're talking about the number seven that being associated with the faith but in one of these chapters theon is thinking that theon's dead and reek was born in the dungeons you know he's a different person it's that idea of like being born again which is very much core to some sects of christianity and you can see that kind of being played with in song of ice and fire because people are literally coming back from the dead but reek is so terrified of ramsey he's like worships him he's a cruel god and being born again in ramsey's image as reek uh it's all some very uncanny and unnerving versions of that idea yeah it really dials back to what we were discussing with bookshelf stud last episode mm -hmm. with the euron and aaron analogs that get brought up here that ramsey is definitely theon's euron in this situation yeah. uh it, it's definitely just you know where you 
were you praying to get chosen or praying to get passed over? And it's Reek praying that his God doesn't smite him for making the incorrect decision in his eyes. Ugh, it's, yeah. And it's, it's interesting also with that whole idea of like people becoming the gods, especially with all that mythology we get to see with Azora High, And especially as we know with the Stannis plot, um, obviously Davos and Stannis's finger taking mm -hmm. is a lot different yeah. though. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, he passes the log and plank road that the Starks had laid when they had come through here. And he sees the towers, the drunkard's tower, the children's and the gatehouse. The car Starks took the drunkard's tower and the umbers, the children's tower. He recalled Rob had claimed the gatehouse tower for his own. So it is kind of funny because as we discussed last episode, the lords that are right next to Ramsey haven't been identified yet, but those are the lords who are here who took each of those towers, the Karstarks and the Umbers. I thought that was just an interesting... Um... I mean, just like when we went through the Vale with Sansa and the Vale lords, this is the Feast for Crows here. You know, this is the Northern lords assembling, trying to grasp at straws of power. And so it's interesting that the last time he was here, it was those same people. Yeah. But of course, a twisted sister version of it now. You know, it's like the complete opposite. Haggard, awful. I mean, even the way that they're described in Reek's first chapter, they're described as, you know, like just gross looking people. They're like the Florence or whatever who easily switch yes. between who they have. They have no loyalty necessarily. Theon is who did all this. Yeah. You know, the Boltons are the salvation of the North. The Boltons are the salvation and Roos is trying to hold it all together and Ramsay is like threatening to throw it all over just for funsies every few seconds just because you know chaos is a ladder yeah it's but. all a uh, his ruse it's definitely an intentional naming I'm pretty sure I don't think I came up with that pun I'm just saying that's a good one though I'm pretty sure George did that and so it is not my fault it is not my fault <laughs> You're not fired. Okay, you thank you. Uh, Reek thinks that he can see the banners in the wind if he closes his eyes, but it's all gone now. When he looked up, he caught a glimpse of pale faces peering from behind the battlements of the gatehouse tower, and through the broken masonry that crowned the children's tower, where legend said the children of the forest had once called down the hammer of the waters to break the lands of Westeros in two. I thought that was so interesting. That right yeah. there, that's like a really good call-out line that... Break the lands of Westeros in two. So that's obviously referring to the pact and kind of gives more heed that A, interesting children of the forest line, B, the Cranogs being related to the children of the forest in some sort of way, I just think is obviously it's kind of being hinted at that like the Marsh Kings probably descend from the children of the forest, etc. That then, you know, the Cranog descend from the Marsh Kings. And this makes sense because we're in the neck. We are right smack dab in the neck, and I'm very excited about that because we get some really cool next position, I would like to call it. Maybe you should be the one who's fired. What is this role <laughs> reversal? I will literally apply for unemployment. You can't me. No, I'm proud of you. Like, I, you are hired, you. in fact, for that. Oh my god, don't hire me, I quit. <laughs> oh my god, Chloe, get a job. Uh... The only dry road through the neck was the causeway, and the towers of Moat Caitlin plugged its northern end like a cork in the bottle. 
The road was narrow, the ruins so positioned that any enemy coming up from the south must pass beneath and between them. To assault any of the three towers, an attacker must expose his back to arrows from the other two, whilst climbing damp stone walls festooned with streamers of slimy white ghost skin. The swampy ground beneath the causeway was impassable, an endless morass of suck holes, quicksands, and glistening green swards that looked solid to the unwary eye, but turned to the water the instant you trod upon them. The whole of it infested with venomous serpents and poisonous flowers and monstrous lizard lions with teeth like daggers. Just as dangerous were its people, seldom seen but always lurking. The swamp dwellers, the frog eaters, the mud men, fen and reed, peat and bogs, cray and quag, greensgood and blackmire, those were the sorts of names they gave themselves. The Ironborn called them all bog devils. Um, okay, but like Ironborn, you guys are like black Ralph rage face. Yeah. With an axe. Like what? They're what? literally named <laughs> Cod. Okay, they have names like right, that. Like, because of a fish. You just added a D on the end. Like Yes. And there are other names that I'm like, hmm. That's not actually that cool of a name, dude. Speaking of names, though, I do want to zero in on the name Blackmire. Okay, speaking of oh Damon Blackfire earlier, like, did Damon Blackfire just steal this name and then change the letter? Is it the other way around? I am asking the important questions on our podcast. Like, what is this? Maybe it's actually Damon Blackfire the Seventh. Mm, and he's been hiding underneath our noses this whole time. Blackmire. And he's going to come mm-hmm. forward and be like, yo, that's my cousin when he sees Fagon. Yeah, in A Dream of yes, Spring. Yes, exactly. In the, in the ninth book of the series. And then Aegon's going to be the king in the north. Whoa. Yeah. Because he'll be like, Thanks. look, he's also a Kranigman. That's what was in ha- in the will that Howland has. <laughs> okay. Oh, I also appreciated the imagery here, like that whole jutting out of the damp stone walls and they're slimy and the way it's all described is just because people like to think about it. It's very Lovecraftian, but anyway. Yeah, the ghost skin. Yeah, that, the the strange like ruins of towers coming from the water and it's more of that oily black stone people like to think about. Um yeah. And discuss. I love when there's a line where Theon walks over the road uh, in the beginning there, the chapter, and he walks over the planks at Moat Caitlin and he sees them. They look oily and black in the night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting, especially because we spend a lot of time in places like the Crownlands where, you know, it's just flat land. It's nothing exciting. I mean, maybe there's some hills. We don't really hear much about what the world looks like outside of King's Landing, though, you know? That's true. So really good world building yeah. here. And I mean, I do think we are going to, and you obviously think this, we're going to come back to the neck at some point in our lives. Yeah, I get think more so. Of it. But while we're here, though, Reek passes some dead bodies and he realizes that the garrison's never going to recognize him as Theon because now his hair's gone white and he's missing fingers. So he's like trying to pretend that he didn't. Yeah, I love the connection that Theon has with the Weirwood later. But of course, even here, his coloring has become super symbolic of it, right? Uh, it'll become a lot more apparent when we have him, you know, crying on his knees at the Weirwood, but it's just like Ghost with his white fur and red eyes. Reek has the white hair, and then, of course, well, blood, red and skin, yeah. blood. But the horse's name is Blood, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but is he paired to the white horse named Cheese? A voice rings out. It tells Theon, don't come any closer. 
He tells them he's not here to hurt them, that he's unarmed, and inside he's thinking a quick death would be better than returning to Ramsey. The gatehouse door swings open, an arrow shoots past, and he's pulled towards the voice, which is a one-armed Iron Man. Yes, after playing the quote-unquote prince, he learns that the one who's been put in charge is Ralph Kenning, and turns out the water is poisoned, because of course it is. He tells the Iron Man that uh, he's speaking to that he should be giving the dead to the flooded cellar then, instead of just leaving them, like, here in the doorway, in the fucking living room, and give them to the drowned god. But the Ironborn man says, like, well, there aren't any drowned gods down there, that's, we're A, in a different area, B, all that's down there are, like, rats and water snakes, which, that's something, you know, maybe give it to the rats and the water snakes, maybe they would appreciate that. But instead, Reek thinks of the rats in the Dreadfort and the taste of its blood, as we all remember, and how if he fails, he's gonna be stuck eating and chasing warm-bellied rats forever. We get that peak in his duality once more here. He outwardly has to portray Prince Theon, right? Noble son of mm -hmm. Balin, in an attempt to get back Moat Caitlin for not just Ramsay, but also for, of course, his prosperity. I mean, like, so he doesn't, you know, die or get flayed some more or, you know, abused some more. But inside, he's freaking out from trauma and stress and anxiety over that. Mm -hmm. And there's more from this as well. Later, we learn he takes down the flag, the banner from the Iron Islands, the squid flag, and replaces it with the Bolton banner, which is really rough symbolism, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's very sad. With a lot of those Sansa parallels we've been talking about, this point of his captivity where he's suffering and he's just accepted his fate is a bummer. It, it reminds me of when Sansa thinks, they have made me a Lannister, bitterly. He is so thoroughly convinced Theon that he is reek. And... Reek learns that very few of the Ironborn who are here at Moat Kaelin and were sent to take it have been left alive, and some of them have actually begun eating their dead. <sighs> Lots of A Dance of Dragon themes. Uh, cannibalism is obviously a strong mm -hmm. one, with winter being here. Yeah, and it's definitely going to just keep happening. Reek thinks that Moat Kaelin has fallen, but none of the people who are here holding it seem to have realized that it's fallen sad. Yeah, Reek demands to speak with Kenning, but the Iron Man reveals he doesn't even know if Kenning's alive. He says he'll take him where he would be, all the same. Ralph Kenning lay shivering beneath a mountain of furs. His arms were stacked beside him, sword and axe, male hauberk, iron warhelm. His shield bore the storm god's cloudy hand, lightning crackling from his fingers down to a raging sea, but the paint was discolored and peeling, the wood beneath starting to rot. Ralph, of course, is also rotting. He's been shot by a poisoned arrow. The description of Ralph Kenning is just a lot. It, he's like half his body is just, just uh, swollen and then he's like leaking pus from an eye. And I'm like, I feel bad for him. It's the saddest situation, all yeah, of this. And just like that they weren't able to do anything for him and they just kind of left him. But also, at the same time, the state of the Iron Men at Moat Kaelin, like their physical transformation and how broken they also seem being there, it's definitely a mirror for Theon's transformation also and his brokenness. Oh, definitely a direct mirror. Yeah. There's also, I think, because I think about, I guess, rivers or some shit, uh, and that Moat Kaelin, I don't know if it's really a moat or not, but it's kind of like a river. It's a swampish area. That, that idea of this 
a man cannot walk in the river twice because it's not the same man in the same river. And that is what's mm. going on here, I feel, with Theon's storyline. He's no longer Theon, he feels. He's Reek. He's just so changed. I really like that. That was a very great addition. To <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Reek commands the man to kill Wrath, but he gapes at him instead. Reek tells him if he'd put a dying horse down, he should put Ralph mm-hmm. down. The Iron Man comments he never had a horse, but Reek remembers just for a moment having a horse. He thinks of Smiler and then ushers the thoughts away. Reek never had a horse. Can I just butt in quickly and this whole Ralph Kenning thing? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of your essay about mercy and Arya and the Hound and those lessons of what mercy is. Mm, And I mean, of course, you'd put down a horse... You know, if it True. was dying. Oh, putting the dog to sleep. Oh, God. There's a lot of dog things. All yeah. right, we can come back. We can revisit Anyways. that story later. That 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 <laughs> later on. <laughs> it's funny. It's not the first time I've thought of Sandor Clegane today. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, it's all your fault. Everyone, uh, check out, if you haven't for some reason, check out Chloe's essay. Chloe? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote it. It's really good. It's, <laughs> it's uh, second place in the best ofs. If you wanted to know about it. Thanks. Everyone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll link it. We'll link it. Reek presses his sword into Ralph Kenning, letting out black blood, pus, and a horrendous smell, which, frankly, like, reading this, I I could almost smell it through the pages. It, like, makes me gag. He, like, talks about the grave worms inside of him. God, it's so... Like, this is... It almost really... You can see how this is a mercy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can you can smell how it's a mercy through the pages. Poor Ralph Kenning. Theon, uh, uh, sorry, not Theon. Reek asks to see the rest of the men, and he is taken to the hall. And then a memory from that other life that I almost said, sorry, everyone, comes to him. And also, I'm going to apologize once more in that I cannot do a Spiegel voice, so. Yeah, me either. I'm not even trying if you didn't yeah. notice. There was where I sat the last time I was here, he remembered. Rob was at the head of the table, with the Grey John to his right and Roose Bolton on his left. The Glovers sat next to Helm and Tallheart. Karstark and his sons were across from them. All the Tallhearts. This hurts. It's sad. It's really... I sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's warming me up for that ghost in Winterfell chapter for sure. That's what these chapters are these for. These are ghosts. Where, you know, our hearts As are broken. Said. Yes, exactly, and... It reminds me of that scene in the Fox Anastasia movie where <gasps> she sees all the ghosts during the Once yes. Upon a December scene. Like, that's what I want. I want, like, Theon, like, walking through these lands, just seeing all these ghosts. Doing a musical number. <laughs> it yeah, is a very sad song. That like, that would work. Fix it, D&D, you cowards. <laughs> we deserve a musical episode. I challenge D&D to do a musical episode. A lot of... <laughs> Cowards. A lot of fantasy shows have that one musical episode, and we deserve it. it Magician. It is called A Song of Ice and Fire, everyone. I want five versions of Jenny's song, all dubstep. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a mood. It's a tall, hard order. Hey. Uh, we, we see Theon doing a lot of car- compartmentalizing during these chapters in order to survive mentally, you know, like the whole. Uh, I don't have a horse. That was another person that had a horse. And now, of course, he's seeing these memories and he keeps saying at the end, no, no, that's not me, though. Not anymore. That's not me. It's not me. It reminds me of the language when 
Arya is in Affic, and she's all like <laughs> remembering a girl from another life. Once upon a time, there had been a girl who liked girl who loved lemon, lemon cakes. cakes exactly. Uh, mm. Anyway, it's all just sad. There are two dozen iron porn left in the hall, drinking at the tables. Because what else is there to fucking do in this place? Reek asks, who's now in command? And they retort, who ass? He responds with Lord Balon's son, because he cannot even bear to use the name Theon or else. He tells them that Lord Ramsay is prepared to show them mercy if they yield, though. Mm. They claim that Ironborn do not give up. And I love this quote. It reminds me of all those points Amanda made two episodes ago when she joined when Crowfood's daughter joined us and discussed Ironborn and Yielding. Tell that to my father. Lord Balin bent the knee when Robert broke his wall. Elsewise he would have died, as you will if you do not yield. He gestured at the parchment. Break the seal, read the words. That is a safe conduct, written in Lord Ramsay's own hand. Give up your swords and come with me, and his lordship will feed you and give you leave to march unmolested to the stony shore and find a ship for home. Elsewise, you die. So, a lot of different echoes of just this idea of letting people bend knee, letting them go. Uh, echoes of, you know, like Rob's plot with Catelyn telling Rob, you know, you won't be the first to bend the knee of the kings in the north. And of course, Lewin telling Theon to yield as well comes echoing back. And although he knows better with how Ramsay is, he is hoping they yield. He thinks, like, you have to, please. So he can show mercy to them. Because he's been suffering at Ramsay's hands for so long now. Like, he knows how bad it will be for them if they don't just give him what he wants. Yeah. I mean, they die either way, but it's, I guess, the difference between, what, a slow, horrible death yeah. or a quick one. But when you bring up these parallels, it also reminds me that this is kind of what Theon brought to his father at the same time. He was saying, pledge to Rob, give up your swords, mm -hmm. come with us. Yeah, he wanted a crown of his own. He didn't want to report to the young 15-year-old wolf Which boy. Which I mean, I know, I'm like, that wasn't a wrong feeling. <laughs> I'm not about <laughs> here's Eliana with Balin did nothing wrong I don't think Balin did nothing wrong I'm just like I too would not want to report to a 15 year old this punk ass little I wolf know bitch. like mm. <laughs> coming up in my iron aisles yeah, I feel it <laughs> with this bitch mom just Aww. kidding Catelyn's done nothing wrong in her whole life the ironborn still don't want to yield and Theon's Prince Theon speaks while Reek thinks, No, please, you have to listen. The thought of what Ramsay would do to him if he crept back to camp without the garrison surrender was almost enough to make him piss his britches. That would have been a sight for while treating with people. Oh my god. They want to stick with what Victorian ordered them to do, uh, but Reek tells them Victorian's never coming back for them. They were the ones left behind to die. These were not kin of famous captains, nor the blood of the great houses of the Iron Islands. These were the sons of thralls and salt wives. It is kind of sad that the idea that the sons of thralls and salt wives wouldn't be worth coming back for. Yeah, they're just looked at as nothing. Yeah. And Reek gives them once more insurance. Like, if you yield, you can walk away. Everything intact. Your life will be great. Dagon Cod calls him a liar, and he says, like, why should we believe a turncloak? 
interesting bits, of course, about how the Cods are not respected. Ironborn come up in this chapter, how all of the people here in general are just weak and piteous, which <laughs> Theon himself is broken, but he's being sent to end the people. Like Aliana was kind of saying that all these people represent Theon. He's weak. How is he supposed to end anyone? I mean, they're not even people anymore. They're at the point of death and they need help. And Theon is the person that has to offer this to them, this, you know, gift of death, a la House of Black and White style. This is Theon saying, it's okay, like, put your swords down, you can fight another day. And they're pulled to the slaughter. Their lambs led to slaughter and Theon had to lead them there. Yes, Theon is a wolf in sheep's clothing at this moment. Yep, absolutely. Theon tells them that he did his job, he brought Ramsay's message, and now they plan to feast. Dagon Cod begins to talk back, but as he does, the one-armed Ironborn who saved Reek from the arrow throws an axe at Dagon. The man says he means to live. When the one-armed man slid the throwing axe back through his belt, Reek knew he had won. He almost felt a man again. Lord Ramsay will be pleased with me. He tells the prisoners, leave your weapons here, gather up. And he gathers up the injured and broken group and makes their way north. We actually finally get to learn the name of the one-armed man, by the way. It's Adrak Humble. And Adrak Humble deserved better. It's my new, <laughs> my new campaign motto during this episode because he man. did. It's very just, sad. It's very sad. He was sad. just trying to hold shit together and was like, I don't know, dude. This is my life I'm now. I'm just somehow the only person that's lived through this yeah. bullshit. He's like, I gotta watch the door. <laughs> a column led by a Rizwal appears. Reek takes small, quiet pride in hearing that the Ironborn kept pushing back at the Northern Men, but then chides himself for it. He is Reek, not a prince. We are Ironborn he thought with a sudden flash of pride, and for half a heartbeat, he was a prince again, Lord Balin's son, the blood of Pike. It reminds me a lot, it has those vibes, the, uh, I'm not your daughter, I'm, mm. you know, Lord Eddard and Lady Catalan's daughter, the blood of Winterfell. Yes. Like, some, he's in there somewhere, He's right? in there. <laughs> baby boy, baby squid boy. We're gonna find him. We're gonna find him again. It's gonna be such a, we obviously have to address it, it doesn't take place in these chapters, but... The best yeah. moment. He's in there. And I mean, you have to remember yeah. your name. It's so. pretty much the best moment in all of Adobada. So it's like, there's just the strong themes. And like, once you get to that exact moment, and even the moment like with that grin mm -hmm. and the, so good. So in this moment, though, they make their way to camp and Ramsey, of course, appears. Of course. A few of the Ironborn muttered thanks before they shambled off toward the cook fires in the center of the camp. One of the cods even tried to kiss Lord Ramsay's ring, but the hounds drove him back before he could get close, and Allison took a chunk of his ear. Even as the blood streamed down his neck, the man bobbed and bowed and praised his lordship's mercy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That mercy... Uh, anyways, uh, the chapter does a lot of work showing us the numbers of the Ironborn men, which is interesting because I'm like, I didn't read this book to fucking math. Uh, and that comes back into play later in this chapter because we're going to see, of course, the, that this is a betrayal and it's what Balon and all the other Greyjoys and all the Ironborn feared most from him and why they were like super skeptical about him. And the scene here kind of clues us into that betrayal occurring before it happens because 
I mean, we've been in this book series, right? This is a reread. We all know that Ramsey is a villain, and he's the one doing the betraying, right? But the scene evokes, I feel, this skirmish in the Garden of Gethsemane right after Jesus has prayed to, like, take this cup away from me and accepting that he's the one who's going to be betrayed and this impending crucifixion. And what happens is that when Jesus is leaving the garden... Judas and the Roman guards appear. Judas goes in to kiss Jesus to signal that, hey, this is the one that you're all supposed to arrest. Much like this, one of the cods goes in to kiss Ramsey's ring. And then the disciple Peter attacks uh, the Roman guards trying to defend Jesus by, I guess, attacking a slave of the high priest. And Jesus is like, that guy had nothing to do with anything. But anyways, cuts off his ear. And this is the same that Allison does mm-hmm. to Cod that cod and in the end it's the ironborn of course who are portrayed not ramsey not yet hopefully maybe but again it creates that atmosphere of betrayal by hearkening to this story and setting that stage for that reveal that's going to come shortly that's a great catch on that biblical comparison my parents were really into jesus <laughs> so yeah. oh, reek gives him moat caitlin as promised delivers it to him Ramsay calls them stubborn foes and orders Damon and Alan to feed the Ironborn to their heart's desire. As soon as they're alone, Ramsay grabs the back of Reek's head and pulls him close, kissing him on the cheek. (laughs) Yeah, gross. Which, there you go, there's that betrayal reversed Mm -hmm. again because eventually we do get Reek betraying him. He cannot believe that the Ironborn thought Reek was Prince Theon and he calls them fools. So weird, so interesting. This chapter is just such a structurally necessary follow-up for that first chapter and introduction to Reek because so much of that chapter is like private as as we discussed last episode basically the chapter is a guy goes upstairs and it's so much about his isolation and him being in the dark and Reek whereas this chapter forces uh, this character to go up against those who represent that other part of his identity that before time, as well a lot of the subsequent chapters, and it shows us how even when he's quote-unquote acting as Theon in public, Reek's refusal to call himself Theon shows how deeply ingrained Ramsay's abuse is and how he feels like a different person. And it's interesting that when you finally let him have that air and go out to be with those ghosts of his mm-hmm. past, how that facade and that face just start to slip. That whole mask does start to slip and he has to stop himself and put himself back in that mindset from the abuse where, you know, he, he we're close to getting somewhere. We're close to getting somewhere by having him around these ghosts. Yeah. Ramsey asks what Reek wants as a reward and Reek doesn't want to over, overindulge and ask for a skin of wine and to serve Ramsey. And Ramsey says, okay, you'll get it. And now you get to sleep with the dogs instead of with the rats. And the kennel master says he'll make a collar for Reek. Man, every single time that I, like, turn the pages in these chapters, you're like, there's no way this could get more ridiculous and awful. And then it does. Like, he's like, oh, you're going to get a collar. And he's not kidding. Like, he's literally making him sleep with the dogs now and giving him a collar and serving him dog food. Like, that's... That's literally what's happening in this plot. The, uh, the dog food is preferable to the rats. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. what's worse. It's that's The what's bar worse. is just so low. God. Later that night, Reek has not only a collar and a skin of wine, but half a chicken as well. 
He has to fight the dogs to be able to eat it, but it'll do. It'll work. He even has a ragged blanket to lay under. He gets super drunk on a sour red wine, and he drinks until he pukes, and then he drinks again. Yes, this is what uh, I was taught is called a boot and rally. Oh, I didn't know it had a name. uh, This is what someone called it for me once when I did that same thing. Not that I would have ever done something like that. Wait, you mean that girl that was supposed to come back to hang out with me at a festival I was at, but then she got too drunk with her family and then she died because she was possessed by a booze demon? that's the thing. That's a different girl now because the girl from before could have done that, right? Gotten destroyed and then vomited and still made it out with you. But now I'm just weak and I... You're weak. Yes, I'm weak. Now I vomit and that's it. That's the end of the night, you know. Uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night to a dog eating the vomit out of his beard, and I don't, I don't know how to feel about the scene. I know it's supposed to make us feel gross, gross, but I'm also like, is this almost good? Is this affection? Also, he's grown a beard. I didn't realize that. That's true. That. He's... He, Christ. I wonder if it's also white. White? Yeah, yeah I'm like interested to see... Have have you read any like deep dives on that whole white hair thing and what causes that? Uh him? no, I have not. I know it exists, I've just never I cared. guess it makes sense that he has this beard because From the stress. Yeah, I, I think that's why, but I don't know how that works with new hair. I don't know. And I don't know, it kinda makes sense that he has a beard because they keep talking about it in the next chapter, like we gotta get him <laughs> clean and shave him. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. It's just weird because you just don't think it. And I know the bad show has poisoned us to like see Alfie yeah. Allen, so it's just weird to think. I think of. it's also just something that maybe you and I, as these as girls gone canon, you know, we don't think of because I'm. It might be something that men would have been like, oh yes, and not really, and just assumed. The next morning, Ramsey sends riders to alert Roos that the road is clear. The Bolton banners now hang where the squid banners once flew along the road built by the Starks. Now wet, rotting, 63 wooden stakes are driven into the ground. Red, bleeding, dripping, dead. And of course, Theon sees one that has a one-armed man at it. It's really interesting the way it's written, right? Like... They don't tell you explicitly who it is. Nope. It's just intimated and you're like, fuck. They they trot off all those 63 lambs. Yeah. Oh, they're going to go get rest. The horror is in not saying it aloud and letting you fill it all in and be like, oh, shit. A drac And that truly is the best way to write sure. horror is to do that, to not fill it in, to let the reader fill it in. That's the best way because we fill it with, you know, I mean, the mind killer with fear. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's also what you were saying about Theon compartmentalizing. He's not even really addressing it. He's not even really looking at it. He can't. He wouldn't be able yeah, to. Yeah, because he's just yeah. Ramsey's monster now. Three days later, Roos's vanguard makes its way through the ruins of the Neck, and Hostine and Aenys Frey lead the vanguard with their men making up most of it. The Northmen follow behind. Two in ten men came back from the war with Rob. So why did they not just say one in five questions i know they should really simplify their uh, i know they really should we had to do math earlier and now they're making us do it again here george stop no one's making us do this true true i mean the people the people oh yeah you know 
<laughs> they made us do it. 20,000 had set out with Rob originally, though. That's So that's what? That's 5,000 left? Yeah. No, no, no. no. Two, so one, no, in, that's one, in one in five. Four. So 20 divided by five. So 4,000? 4,000 are left. Wow. 4,000 left. I don't know math. I do it every day for hours on um, end. I don't. Back where the press was thickest at the center of the column rode a man armored in dark gray plate over a quilted tunic of blood red leather. His rondels were wrought in the shape of human heads with open mouths that shrieked in agony. From his shoulders streamed a pink woolen cloak embroidered with droplets of blood. Long streamers of red silk fluttered from the top of his closed helm. No Cranog man will slay Roose Bolton with a poisoned arrow, Reek thought when he first saw him. Damn, that's a figure. I know, this is an outfit. The Roose is loose. Truly. But Truly. maybe it's because he's not the one who has to wear this outfit. I don't know, but it, it's a lot. Like He probably actually wears this, though. Yeah, like he he's this kind of extra. Yeah. He's all about that though. That's what's nuts to me is like this is literally Yeah. Shape of human heads. This is what Roos wants to dress this like. This is why Ramsey dresses the way he does though, now that I think about it. He's getting his fashion advice and tips from his dad. His dad dresses like an anime character villain. So does Ramsey. They both do. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Ramsey makes for the rider in the bloody armor, his dad, but Roos emerges from a covered wagon instead. Oh, Jean Parmesan. Sorry, everyone. Oh my god. <laughs> it, yeah, switcheroos. Prince. It was a. It was. It a was ruse. a ruse. Wow. It was a ruse. We figured it out. That's where the name comes from. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. The ruse is loose. The ruse is loose. Oh my god. We figured it out. That was the Roos, Eliana. That was it. This is the podcast. Oh, God. We should end it here. We, don't, we could just yeah. end a dance with dragons now. We did it all. Yeah. We, we figured it. it out. It's a Roos. It's a Roos. I quit. I'm telling you, George came up with this, not me. George is honestly one of the best writers of our time. And here's 12 reasons why the Roos <laughs> is why. <laughs> That's the reason. That is 12. number one. That is in the countdown, the best. So Ramsey is super enraged that his dad tricked him, right? Like he's he's so stupid that he's like, is this mockery? Like you traveling in the wagon, but having some man dressed as you? Which I don't know. Roos is just being smart. He's making sure yeah. that no one fucks his shit up. Like he's kind of public enemy in the north right now. You know, like you either love the guy or you hate the guy, depending on what information you actually know about the guy. And this idea is, of course, introduced back at Blackwater with Garland as Renly, Tyrell, as uh, the Renly Baratheon. So it's nice to see it pulled back in. It also tells you a lot about Roos's style and his wits, right? Yeah. He's just like, this is literally not about you, Ripsy. <laughs> this is not meant to insult you. This is just trying to keep me alive. Okay. But everything's about Ramsay. What are you of talking course. about? Oh, of course. <laughs> Once a boy called Theon Greyjoy had enjoyed tweaking Bolton as they sat at council with Robb Stark, mocking his soft voice and making japes about leeches. He must have been mad. This is no man to jape with. You had only to look at Bolton to know that he had more cruelty in his pinky toe than all the phrase combined. I just like this term, tweaking. Me too. Tweaking Bolton. What a term. 
It just reminds me, like, is he playing with his nipples? What's happening? <laughs> I know. I'm, I, I'm also curious. I'm like, this is a strange choice of words, but. I don't know. A lot of people are like, you know, I know some Thramsey shippers, obviously, and that's kind of odd. But uh, Thruce. Have we talked about Thruce? That's the that's oh. the OTP. I'm, I think I'm a Thruce wow. shipper. That is a. Yeah, Thruce. Ramsey was, you know, his the stepping stone to get to Ruse. Oh, my God. That, oh, he's a loose man. He's loose. Loose sexual morals. Thruce, Thruce, it rhymes with loose. Oh, God. <laughs> Think about the leeches in that threesome. Um, oh, so he's about the sucking. That's why they were talking about suckles earlier in this chapter. All one, right. Oh, my God. Two women follow Bruce from the wagon. The first is chubby and pink-faced, and none other than the wonderful Walda Frey Bolton. She is wonderful. Bruce is like, kiss your stepmom, Ramsey, kiss her hand. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Bruce like knows that Ramsey is like crazy and psycho and probably gonna murder him, but Bruce is like, this is fun for me. Oh, he is. <laughs> He's just enjoying it. The second, of course, is the Lady Arya Stark. Roose introduces Ramsay to his betrothed. Oh god. The girl was slim and taller than he remembered. That was only to be expected. Girls grow fast at that age. Her dress was grey wool, bordered with white satin. Over it she wore an ermine cloak, clasped with a silver wolf's head. Dark brown hair fell halfway down her back and her eyes. That is not Lord Eddard's daughter. Arya had her father's eyes, the gray eyes of the Starks. A girl her age might let her hair grow long, add inches to her height, see her chest fill out, but she could not change the color of her eyes. That's Sansa's little friend, the steward's girl. Jane, that was her name, Jane Poole. Lord Ramsay, the girl dipped down before him. That was wrong as well. The real Arya Stark would have spat in his face. I pray that I will make you a good wife and give you strong sons to follow after you. That you will, promised Ramsay, and soon. Uh, Christ. Leave Jane alone. <laughs> She's been through enough. So going along with Theon's outfit as prince earlier and playing the role, we get Jane Poole dressed in a gray and white dress with a wolf's head clasp. It's what the northern lords need to close their eyes to Ramsay's you know, torture and Roos's plan and give their stamp of approval for now. Yeah. And I mean, it's literally the same thing that they did with the Miller's boys. They're like, let's just put a, let's just put a pin on it. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, that's a Stark. I kind of think going away from the topic of Ramsey and Theon for a second, it is funny, this line of a girl her age, might let her hair grow long, blah, blah, blah. But she could not change the color of her eyes. Because a girl Arya's age, literally Arya, is going to learn to do exactly that. I do love that. That is a great catch. Yeah, that's exactly what Arya's doing. She's changing her face currently. Yeah. Lots of irony in that sentence. And I mean, it's also interesting because even though the bad show played with the idea of Sansa as this fake Jane role, or this fake Arya role as Jane, um, Sansa is exactly what he's speaking about. You know, a girl can change her hair you know, she can mm -hmm. grow a little taller, you know, get some boobs, but she can't change her eyes. Well, that's what we're looking at with Sansa, too. She can't change who she is. She can dye her hair. Yeah. But Arya and, can. <laughs> but speaking of Sansa being unable to change who she is, that's what we're going to eventually see. Coming to the forefront, slowly, painfully, 
in Theon's storyline. Well, we'll jump right into our lightning round for what we missed between Reek 2 and Reek 3 in John 5. John makes common cause with 63 wildlings. Stannis' host leaves. It's an interesting number based on what happened this chapter. Yeah, 63 Ironborn, 63 wildlings. That is really yeah. weird how they have the same exact number, George. Which is yeah, about, buddy. Why this number? This is not like, it's not like 69. I don't know. Why this number? 69. Nice. <laughs> Tyrion 6. Uh, Tyrion dreams of his father as the Shrouded Lord before being pulled back aboard the Shy Maid and treated for possible grayscale. Daenerys 4. The Green Grace poses a match for Daenerys, and Dario returns. The Lost Lord. After losing Tyrion, John Connington dwells on his past and present and shows Aegon around the Golden Company's camp. I thought he was dead. No, he's a Blackmire cousin. Oh, a Blackmire. Aegon Blackmire. Yes. I figured it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Windblown. Quentin and his friends choose the perfect cover and join the Windblown. The Wayward Bride. After fleeing the Isles at Euron's election, Asha takes up residency at Deepwood, celebrating her new quote-unquote marriage with an old flame. But of course, the fucking eventually leads to fighting. Do you appreciate that one? I did, I did. Tyrion 7. Tyrion and Jorah have been captured and begin their long journey to the Dragon Queen. John 6. John receives a raven announcing Arya's marriage. Melisandre is, once more, foreboding and very, very strange. I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> she is. So. Davos 4. The North remembers and the Mummer's farce is almost done. Yes. Yes. There's nothing else that needs to be said for that chapter, I don't think. Yes. I think we all know. I, yeah. Though I do like the line, what is it? False friends and foes so proudly, Lord Davos. <sighs> that whole chapter. So I good. can't wait till we do Davos. Yeah, that whole speech. So. Where are we? Okay, Daenerys 5. It's been 26 days since the queen has lost men, but there's a new challenger approaching. The bloody flux and the toast asked the poorie refugees. She chooses to think like a queen and makes a very difficult marriage decision. Melisandre 1. Devin Seaworth learns what the Red Woman sees, much and more. She magics a champion, glamoured his rattle shirt, to bring Jon Snow's sister home and reveals the champion to Jon. It's Mance Raider. Week 3. Ramsay returns from seeking out the phrase and comes back empty-handed. He must then face his lord father, Roose Bolton, and receive his own punishment. Ramsay returns home, and Reek hears the girls first. His chains inhibit his movement, but he readies himself to serve Ramsay all the same. The Frey boys and the bastard boys come pouring through the gates, returning from their hunt. The dogs collide with Reek. They have grown to like him. I just want to point out, like, these nice moments between Rick and the dogs. Is this, this a is happy literally moment the, in A Song of Ice and Fire, Eliana? This is literally the only good thing that happens in any of these three chapters that we read, okay? the In these first three Reek chapters, this is the only good thing, and I will treasure this moment of Theon and the doggos cuddling together. <laughs> and I will hold it close to my heart. They even share supper. We deserve this. They do. It's very okay, this is... It's fucked up because it's because Theon is being treated as a dog, but at the same time, I will I will take this moment. 
Uh, there's Hellicent, Red Jane, Maud, Sarah, Willow, Allison, Jazz, and Gray Jane. And later on, there's also Kyra, as we hear. So say their names first off. Yes. There has to be something there in that, like, Jane dogs, like the Red Jane and Gray Jane dogs, right? Like, there's something there. Like, I don't know. If she gets that show Sansa ending somehow, or I don't know, the dogs with Theon. I don't know, something. But those dogs being named Jane is a little, like, on the snout. You know what I'm saying? It is. I also wonder if it's just that there's a lot of Janes. I, I know that that's something that George wanted to do, having a lot of characters with similar names in order to give his world a sense of realism. But also, does that mean like what? One is a red dog, one is a gray dog? Or were they in life? Were each of those Janes like redhead and a one gray of them was called the. Or a, uh, yeah, or, or had a dour like this was. I don't also, know. Also, why does he have a thing for girls named Jane? I think it's just like a common name. Well, I mean, she is a common girl, technically. They te- they probably all are, because he was saying what that these are from. Oh yeah, before he before he was like legitimized, yeah, right? These so names. it's all common girls that he raped and murdered, and you know, for funsies. Uh, the riders get off their horses, and it looks like the hunt was unsuccessful. We learned they were searching for something. Later, we find out it was for a missing phrase. Ramsey had been forced into courtesies with the Griswells, the Dustins around, so he's walking around like all psycho smiles. We learn this later, but of course, Bethany Riswell, dead from a fever, had been Roos's first wife, the mother of Dameric. Of course, Ramsey is rumored to have killed Dameric in 297, right before the harvest feast and clash by two years, which is bullshit because Ramsey is such a good lord and he would never do something like that, but. Oh, never. Our, our Lord Ramsey. But yeah, Barrowton is obviously not really fond of Ramsey to paint this chapter out. Oh, but he's so he's so good. Oh you know, he just loves people so much, like how he loves Reek and says he can smell him from across <laughs> the yard. And the Walders also decide to join in mocking Reek. And Ramsey, you know, again, being the giving lord that he is, has brought back a gift for our Reek throws it to him it's a severed head <laughs> you shouldn't have <laughs> oh oh honey <laughs> he throws it on him and reek obviously cannot catch it well because like he's missing fingers and stuff yeah he has reek then tend to his horse which his horse's name is blood in case you were confused because ramsey's a villain did you know because his horse is yeah. named blood <laughs> That's our next Patreon tier level. We will send you a severed head <laughs> branded with the Girl Scout can logo. $50 a yeah. month. You'll be in the blood tier. You'll get a severed head. Yeah, the blood horse. Above Zorses. Above Zorses, you know? yeah. Zorse level. Watch out. Coming from your gold. <laughs> Little Walder commands Reek to see to his horse as well as Big Walder's. Big Walder's like, it's okay, I can do it myself. Little Walder had become Lord Ramsay's best boy and grew more like him every day. But the smaller Frey was made of different stuff and seldom took part in his cousin's games and cruelties. My son! I love you, Big Walder! Oh, Big Walder. Who's, like, small but big. Small and murderous and big. Small Big Walder. I love him. Yeah, he's a little murderous. Reek softly asks Big Walder who the man with the severed head was. Big Walder says he was no one, just an old goat herder who called Ramsay Lord Aww. Snow, so he killed him. 
I feel like this is major Joffrey vibes, again, with that whole conversation on transitional villainry. Uh, this is mm-hmm. if Joffrey had grown up to keep living and heard the rumors of people calling him a bastard. You know, that's exactly what this is. Oh, totally. And again, it's another one of those things like this is literally the same name that John's being called throughout this book, like in the other chapters that are surrounding these chapters, Lord Snow. But, you know, he's not going around severing heads for it. Yeah. Reek asks if they found the Frey cousins, though, the ones who are missing that search party. And Walder's like, no. No, I never thought we would. They're dead. Lord Wyman had them killed. That's what I would have done if I was him. I love the Maybe. obvious analog between, like, Aenys and Hastine and Big Walder and Little Walder. Like, that they get brought up in the last chapter that, you know, Theon thinks Aenys was the commander not a warrior, but, you know, he was the smart one and that Hostine is like the big, the brawn, you know, of the situation. Yeah. And that's exactly Little Walder and Big Walder's uh, thing going on, except Big Walder is actually, you know, smart and small, very anies. It's something that he likes playing with in general. It's all those those uh, other phrases that you mentioned, but it's also... Yeah, like Black Walder and Rivers and... Oh, I was thinking Jamie and Tyrion. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The jock and the small nerd is, I guess, something that George seems to be exploring. Reek keeps his mouth shut because he can't trust anyone enough to give his opinion. And turns out that search had gone on for 16 days. There's a lot of time passing through these chapters. That's what that makes me, like, think about. Because otherwise, like, the 16 days went between the last chapter and this chapter... Yeah, it's almost a, that's more than a whole fortnight. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Ramsay orders a feast to celebrate his return. Again, Joffrey vibes there. They stay at Harwood Stout's keep, who cannot refuse them, though he's plainly getting pretty irritated and put out at their consumption. An ox was slaughtered, and that night as the sun went down, the empty-handed hunters ate roast and ribs, barley bread, a mash of carrots and peas, washing it all down with prodigious quantities of ale. It's so indicative, though, of what's happening in A Song of Ice and Fire, like the lords, of course, playing their high game and eating and... Like Darius. Who's going to really... Yeah, who's going to really suffer for it when winter comes? But yes, as you said, Darius Keep, or like when Joffrey was wandering around and just shows up at a random place, he's like, feed me. Yeah, it's uh, not a lot of thought on the other end of that, you know? Obviously, that's what they're used to. That's their status. Yeah. Well, Ramsay wasn't used to but it. But now he is. He's taking advantage of it, yeah, now that he has it. Little Walder is cup-bearing for Ramsay, while Big Walder has to fill the rest of the high table's glasses. Reek is chained up outside the doors so his odor doesn't sicken the guests. He gets to eat scraps later that Ramsay sends, which, look, I'm sorry, even if I was, like, a little, like, redneck hick, right, and weird and had, like, a weird family situation going on, if I came to your house party... And you had a smelly dude in chains outside the great hall, outside your kitchen, like locked up. I'd mm-hmm. be like, um, is this like a weird BDSM party or like what's going on? And then like all these lords are just sitting there eating like this is fine. What? Yeah. And then what happens next is even weirder. Like Maud and Grey Jane fight with Lord Stout's hounds over a meaty bone and they kill one of the dogs. Yeah, I, I felt really bad. They were like, this is Lord Stout's hound, and he was, like, too old, and he wouldn't be able to, like, 
keep up with the two other dogs. I was like, dude, if I were Lord Stout and we don't get his perspective, obviously, I'd be like, what the fuck? These people eat all of my food and then they kill my dog. Like, who does that? Ramsey and his men, his merry men. Yeah. Or, you know, different, different thing. But the Unsullied being forced to kill their dogs, like. That puppy. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, my God. Anyway. Reek doesn't watch the fight. He keeps his eyes on Ramsey, and he thinks of Ben Bones, the kennel master, telling him how the dogs were named. They were named after the girls that Ramsey hunted, but only the ones who gave him good hunt got named. Uh, the ones who wept and begged didn't get to come back as a bitch. Reek suspects that there's a Kyra that's going to come out of the kennel next. No. Yeah, I know. Leave her alone. She did. Nothing wrong. She did she did at least stand up for herself as she was going out, but like shit, she shouldn't have. She shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, because he's a psycho. Yeah. Ben says that the dogs are being trained to kill wolves. He knew which wolves the girls were meant to kill, but he had no wish to watch the girls fighting over his severed toe. Oh god, that's a. Um. Now that we know, there was a note though in the script for I. I think the name of the episode right is the line in the rose that the purple wedding episode from germ about creating that setup for a fight between wolves and dogs yeah. I, I find that interesting and then also of course george r. r martin has said that you don't hang a wolf pack on the wall unless you mean to use it not like the wall the wall but like referencing Chekhov's gun wall because that that is ambiguous george you know you have a fucking important ass wall you can't just make us think you're gonna hang wolves from the wall that's silly and absurd anyways uh you can see all those pieces being laid out yeah Servants clean up the bloody mess, and the room grows silent. Ramsey smiles a greasy smile, and he's like, Father. Roos orders everyone out of the room, but softly, after gazing around at the whole thing that he sees. And this is such a, I can't believe what a disgrace you're being in front of our guests right now. Don't you know how to be diplomatic, you psycho-ass fuck? Right, like, this is exactly what Roos is thinking. It's like such a macabre family affair. The Boltons are dysfunctional to the extreme, and it shows right here, but... Bruce later reminds us he doesn't go for this public dysfunction. Like, this is, this is too much. Yeah. I mean, I would be disappointed if my son were Ramsey, too, <laughs> even as Bruce Bolton. Ramsey orders Reek to then be enchained and taken, and Bruce is like, no, leave him. We want him here. Which I think is interesting because it shows Bruce as a different kind of more subtle kind of torturer or punisher because Ramsey takes joy in that humiliation of Reek in in what you were saying, that public dysfunction parades him in front of everyone. He wants everyone to see what he's done. Like, look at my thing. But Roos narrows it down. He makes it a much more, I think, personal punishment in that way because uh, he he wants Theon to see him humiliating Ramsay because what he's doing is essentially scolding and humiliating Ramsay in front of like his dog. Yeah, he expresses disappointment at Ramsay not finding the missing phrase, like, because that was his only job, which Ramsay comments the world won't miss a few phrase, which, you know, true. Uh, we get the I mean, full... That's not the it, only thing, again, yeah. to be disappointed in Ramsay. Yeah, for. exactly. I'm like, honestly, this is probably the best thing your kid could have said. So, grow up, Bruce. But we do get the full story. Wyman Manderley had said that the phrase rode on ahead of the party to get to Barrowton to see their kin before the wedding. But Bruce and Ramsay both don't really believe that. Not whatsoever. 
Yeah, and it is interesting considering that Davos chapter revealing everything that comes before this. So we like know that they're not wrong. Yeah, and it's we get a lot of that exposition of Roos, you know, knowing, dude, we're on borrowed time here. Like we don't you marrying Arya is what's keeping us here. And spoiler alert, it's not even Arya, you know? I mean, we have a very weak hold. We are on thin ice. It's our our ruse is perhaps also loose. Our ruse is loose. <laughs> <laughs> All the different meanings of the word ruse. Our ruse is loose. Today, everyone. <laughs> uh, Ramsay expresses uh, irritation at Roose not throwing the welcome feast for his return. It should have been in Barbary's keep. But Roose reminds him, Lady Dustin isn't fond of you and she's not yours to command. She hates you. <laughs> Ramsay's face darkened. If I cut off her teats and feed them to my girls, will she abide me then? Will she abide me if I strip off her skin to make myself a pair of boots? Roose Bolton seated himself across the table from his son. Barbary Dustin is my second wife's younger sister, Roderick Riswell's daughter, sister to Roger, Rickard, and mine own namesake, Roose, cousin to the other Riswells. She was fond of my late son and suspects you of having some part in his demise. Lady Barbary is a woman who knows how to nurse a grievance. Be grateful for that. Barrowton is staunch for Bolton, largely because she still holds Ned Stark to blame for her husband's death. Staunch, Ramsay seethed. All she does is spit on me. The day will come when I'll set her precious wooden town afire. Let her spit on that. See if it puts out the flames. God, he's obnoxious. Yeah, he really is. Um, Roos goes on to tell Ramsay to A, shut up. B, we have Freys and Lannisters for now, but what happens when a Stark son comes back? Reek begins to freak out. He thinks Ned Stark's sons are all dead. Rob was murdered at the twins, and Bran and Rickon, we dipped the heads in tar. He tries not to think of anything before he knew his name, as it's too terrible to remember. Yeah. Uh, I guess Roos was in on the plan. He was in on... The ruse. I'm so sorry, everyone. Ramsay says that there is no issue. Uh, we slew both the Stark boys at once, and we would do it again as well. But Roose is all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, hang on. Theon is the one who slew the boys, all right? And it needs to stay that way, or the North isn't going to fucking follow us. <laughs> you, ugh, you idiot. He goes on to tell Ramsay that Stories are being told of him, and they're not good ones. You gotta start acting like a Bolton right now, now that you're legitimized. And people fear him, and he's like, no, that is literally not what we want. Ramsey's like, no, this is good. And Bruce is like, no. Yeah, Bruce says, no tales were ever told of me. Peaceful land, quiet people, that is my rule. Oh, but, um, I'd just like to make a couple, um, comments, Bruce. One... Lol, the Red Wedding. Like, that, you know the only reason all these lords are gathering over these scraps and trying to figure out where the power is is because you killed the Starks. Like, the, the, you murder, murder. You, but Red Wedding, you did it. You did it. You did But that. not all of them know that. Right, but Apparently, like, yeah. I'm just making sure that he knows Peaceful land, quiet people. Um, Yeah. Bruce. Well, now they are quiet, right? Because they're dead. 
Chloe. <laughs> a dead murder. Murdered. Did it. He did that. Ned um, loves hair. Loves loves cat's hair. You're on Greyjoy vibes. <laughs> quiet ship. We keep a peaceful, quiet ship. Uh, is this why you left Lady Dustin and your fat pig wife? So you could come down here and tell me to be quiet? Lol. I love that line. That's like some age 20s angst right there. Or yeah. like late teens. Whatever he is. I think he's like 18, I guess. Uh, I guess I could find out. He's like Hold 282. On. Yeah. So he's like 18. He's 18. Yeah. He's like... Teenage angst. <laughs> I know. He's all like, I'm an adult now. Okay. Then maybe you should move into your own keep now, Ramsey. Yeah, move out of your dad's basement, Ramsey. Yeah, move into Winterfell, Ramsey. Move out of, <laughs> yeah, exactly, the Dreadfort. So, of course, this is not why Roos left his beautiful chubby bride. He left Walda and Lady Dustin behind because Stannis is on the march and he's taken Deepwood Mott and he's restored it to the Glovers. Which is great. Oh, but yeah. Turns out Ramsey also wants to take the deep wood, and Roos won't let him until after he's wed. All right, you gotta get hitched first. But Ramsey is sick of waiting and says, All right, well, we've got a fucking heart tree here tonight, and I'll just impregnate her now. And Roos says, No, we're gonna do it at Winterfell. No, we're doing it live. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's like, so, I'm not trying to have you elope. I'm trying to make this a, like a fucking This is thing, an dude. event. This is a royal wedding. This is huge in the symbolism of Ramsay marrying a Stark. Bruce obviously knows this. He needs to marry the Stark girl dressed in gray and white with the direwolf clasp and the Winterfell godswood in order to hold Winterfell. He's trying to set his son up for success in the family biz, but Ramsay is obviously not that smart. It's very much so what I would imagine from older Joffrey and Tywin what could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the same vibes, same energy. Ramsay is unhappy about all this. He reminds Roos that, wait, remember, we burnt down Winterfell. And Roos is like, oh my god, you idiot. No, Theon burnt down Winterfell. Even ruined and broken, Winterfell remains Lady Arya's home. What better place to wed her, bet her, and stake your claim? That is only Ooh. half of it, however. We'd be fools to march on Stannis. Let Stannis march on us. He's too cautious to come to Barrowton, but he must come to Winterfell. His clansmen will not abandon the daughter of their precious Ned to such as you. Stannis must, mar Stannis must march or lose them, and being the careful commander he is, he'll summon all his friends and allies when he marches. He will summon Arnold Karstark. Roos constantly having to remind Ramsay about keeping up this line, being like, no, 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 we didn't do that, okay? We didn't kill the Stark boys. It was the Ironborn who did that. The Ironborn ruined Winterfell. It kind of reminds me of Littlefinger teaching Sansa yes, how to be Elaine. Very much so. He is definitely the, you know, that that kind of role to Ramsay. Yeah. Teaching him how to make a ruse. Oh my God. Also, <laughs> I'm going to play this joke out till it's dead. It's I'm so editing already. it out every single time. It's okay. <laughs> also, at the end of Adobada. Oh my God. Uh, Totally throws a ranch and not ranch. Fuck, throws a ranch dressing. 
Also, at the end of Adoida, uh, you have Theon's escape totally throwing a wrench into all the plans that Bruce has laid out in this chapter. Like, by escaping with Jane Poole, there is no incentive or bait now for Stannis to march on Winterfell. And also, this whole thing about Arnulf Karstark, whom we know is, like, mm. in league with the Boltons. Like, Theon reveals all that, probably. And Ramsay shows that, well, I wanted to hunt down Stannis anyway, so... They lose that that uh, high ground, or like that home territory, whatever advantage that I think Roos was hoping for. Yeah, and John's already also kind of ruined that alliance as well. Stannis isn't going True. to turn towards Arnulf, as we learn, because they have Alice and they know the whole story now. They know he's in league with the Boltons. Yeah. Roos unfolds his plan. They march to Winterfell in three days after inviting the lords to accompany them, and then they will wed. An invitation will accomplish the same thing. Power tastes best when sweetened by courtesy. You'd best learn that if you ever hope to rule. The Lord of the Dreadfort glanced at Reek. Oh, and unchain your pet. I'm taking him. So that power tastes best when sweetened by courtesy. Also, it goes back to at least Roos knows that fear is not the way you rule people. And that reminder in Sansa chapters of people loving you, that idea of courtesy being necessary to even like maintain power. But there's this line here that I think is interesting where Roos is when Roos is taking Theon. You know, Ramsay's obviously mad that Roos is taking his pet and, and uh, Roos reminds Ramsay that everything he has is because of him. This is, I think, a, a get a job moment. Uh, the last name that Ramsay has now is lands is money but he also says something that I think is interesting like as for this Reek if you have not ruined him beyond redemption he may yet be of some use to us get the keys and remove those chains from him before you make me rue the day that I raped your mother which is a you know that's a line but before we get to that I want to focus on I, I think it's interesting that if you have not ruined him before redemption because there is of course that hope for many people that Theon is not ruined beyond redemption, that he will find a way mm. to redeem himself later in his arc. Ramsay, maybe you have not done that. Ramsay unlocks Reek's chains and moves in closely, threatening him, as he does, telling him not to tell Roos anything or else. He tells him he'll take another finger from him when he gets back, and Reek oh. begins to beg and sob. Ramsay slaps him, says to take him, says that he disgusts him. Like... All of this is so dark. Like, who is directing this arc? Is it Tim Burton? Uh, no, it is not. It's it's George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Burton. I don't know. Indeed, George R. Martin. All right. <laughs> Lord Bolton offers Theon a horse. He asks him if he's able to ride. The horse moves away from Theon's stench as he tries to mount it. Bruce asks Theon what to call him, but. Theon tells him Reek. Roos finds his stench appalling as well, which Reek apologizes for, but Bolton doesn't let him. He says it was his son's doing, not Reek's. I knew the first Reek. He stank, though not for want of washing. I have never known a cleaner creature, truth be told. He bathed thrice a day and wore flowers in his hair as if he were a maiden. Once, when my second wife was still alive, he was caught stealing scent from her bedchamber. I had him whipped for that. A dozen lashes. Even his blood smelled wrong. The next year, he tried it again. This time he drank the perfume and almost died of it. 
It made no matter. The smell was something he was born with, the curse, the small folk said. The gods had made him stink so that men would know his soul was rotting. My old maester insisted it was a sign of sickness, yet the boy was otherwise as strong as a young bull. No one could stand to be near him, so he slept with the pigs until the day that Ramsay's mother appeared at my gates to demand that I provide a servant for my bastard who's growing up wild and unruly. That nothing helped, I guess. I gave her reek. It was meant to be amusing, but he and Ramsay became inseparable. I do wonder, though, was it Ramsay who corrupted reek or reek Ramsay? I can't believe you stayed in that voice for almost that entire passage. That was honestly... Give yourself a round of applause. <laughs> pat your own back. That was. Do you really think that? I was like, is it? No, you like commit to the bit. And I think the- that has earned a lot. You, good for you. Good for you, Eliana. I only remembered later. I was like, shit. We should have been doing Reese's voice as a whisper. I know. I tried to just do it like softer than what I would usually do and slower, but like, I just wasn't committing. You committed. I- I'm impressed. I just want to tell tell everyone again, my fan casting for Bruce Bolton was uh, the guy who plays Doug Stamper in oh House God. of Cards. I can see it. He he does the weird, like, soft voice. Yeah, thing. I can see it, actually. I might, uh, I'm going to try to imagine that with some, like, crazy red, pink, cloaky shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think anyone, yeah, I don't think anyone makes sense in that outfit, to be honest, but. Yeah. I did, you know what, I did see some really cool, like, fan modified Photoshop photos of Michael McElhinney in the show only with like a dark red leather mm-hmm. and like the Bolton sigil painted on his stuff and like the leather tinted pinkish red and it was really interesting. I would, uh, uh, eight out of 10, I'd be interested to see what this person could do. And if it was like a dusty rose kind of pink, you know, like a faded pink. True. It could work. Maybe it is. I mean, it must be more of that yeah, anyway. It's not like, like magenta. It's dirty. Yeah, exactly. And the yeah. sun and the weather and yeah. Bruce asks Reek what Ramsay said, but Reek is too afraid to tell him, so he guesses, and he guesses correctly. Reek is to not give Bruce info on Ramsay and his doings, but Bruce already knows Ramsay's doings. He did give Ramsay his own men, after all. He tells Reek of how he met Ramsay's mom, how he exercised the old rite of the first night, even though Jaehaerys had abolished it. He says that the North keeps different gods, and they don't answer to the Southern. Where the old gods rule, old customs linger. The Umbers keep the first night, too, deny it as they may. Certain of the mountain clans as well, and on Skagos, well, only heart trees ever see half of what they do on Skagos. Love that line. Right, unicorns. Yes. Um, Chloe and I are about to disagree. Yeah, we need to warn you guys about this disagreement, and your moms still love each other. You know, I think that's the important thing to take after you listen to what's about to happen. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, at the core of our, our relationship, it's, yeah, it's about respect. That's... And if Eliana's wrong, I mean, that's her opinion, man. And I She's mean, not. if Chloe's wrong, which... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do have, like, things that back you up in terms of other canons, so... Yeah, anyway, so things that I do think were wrong. Like, I do think that the show got it wrong, the idea of who is actually the true scary b- villain in the larger context of the narrative... Because I think that, yes, Ramsey is absolutely a terrifying villain. And he's an extremely personal one whose horror we get to see through Reek and through Jane Poole. And it's very visceral and on the page how much of a looming presence he is in 
story, especially for Reek. But I do see it as like Roose Bolton scares Ramsay and like Roose Bolton scares Arya and has been in the narrative earlier and is a big part of that Red Wedding, which was a turning point in the story. And we see that like Roose is smarter than Ramsay's very explicit cruelty, which Ramsay struggles to hide. And Roose is quiet because he knows that it isn't smart for people to fear you in the way that like little finger is also just hiding but the show i think this is my opinion was invested in that cinematic violence that you can see on the screen when it comes to ramsey but i find it that like ramsey is in many ways a monster that's created by the system uh this feudal system returning again to that dark mirror theon who was abusing his power he felt entitled to it uh because of the social hierarchy that and feeling like he can and because he was given that power whereas i see Rus as like this larger villain and in many ways he's not the monster birthed by the system but he is that system like his cold eyes and that icy nature a lot of that evokes the imagery of the others who are very much a metaphor for, again, that feudal system of lords treating their vassals as just things that they can use those as slaves who are there to control while they're in the middle and protected. And it's like Roos and the miller's wife and keeping with the, these old gods' customs. And I'm just saying that, unlike in the show, I think that Roos actually outlives Ramsay. Okay, well, interesting. I hear your opinion, Eliana. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Let me just clear the airways. Uh, I'm going to put this one out here, so I hope you appreciate this. I like what you're saying. However, I think you reek what you sow. <laughs> and Ramsey is... You, can I, yeah, you can, can fire I fire me. you? I would fire now? you. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I still maybe like... I should maybe get a promotion, should be hired honestly. for this, though. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should. You're so, promoted yeah. for that. <laughs> We're we're only doing uh, positive things nowadays, you know. Only only hiring. Well, no, I think that's that's what makes us different. You know, we differ on these opinions. You fire me for puns. I hire you and give you a raise Reek for your puns. <laughs> that's how you can tell that your mom's apart. Um, yeah, I think that this is the monster that Roos has created, though. By shoving him away, by, you know, raping his mother, shoving him away, and, you know, giving a servant that he feels guilty and thinks might have poisoned him. And as we're going to come up upon, of course, in a little bit, there's a passage where Roos tells Theon all about, like, you know, this is why Ramsay's so fucked up. He tells him about the Reek stuff, and then he's like, and then he killed his brother, and it doesn't matter what you tell me. Like, I know that's what happened. Obviously, it's really freaking obvious. And he's like, and I'm not going to have any kids because he's going to kill all my kids. Like, he knows and he thinks, you know, cursed is the kinslayer, you know, but he's going to be kinslain. I mean, Walda is going to bring kids into this world and Ramsey's not going to be having that. He can't have that. And Ramsey's fucking crazy. And direct analog, look at Tyrion killing Tywin. I mean, this is obviously Ramsey is a bit, uh, a bit more extra than Tyrion somehow I never thought I'd say those words about a character but yes he is more extra than Tyrion and he is a little psycho and he's getting obviously pretty tense and pissed at his dad all the murdering that's going on in A Dance with Dragons and Adoida uh I can see Ramsay coming straight for Roos it's gonna happen that one's straight from the books my friend scene and all I just I'm just not sure if it's like one of those things where like you know how the directors loved Indira 
so much that they kept her around and had her kill Duran and kind of take on the role of mm-hmm. ruling Dorne and stuff. And and they did that because obviously, like, the, 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 because they liked that actor. And I, the thing is, like, they liked even Rian so much as Ramsay and his performance and found that audiences obviously responded to Ramsay's cruelty. You know he uh, auditioned as Jon Snow first, right? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. I mean, I loved him in Misfits. <laughs> Close enough. See him. I could see him as uh, John. I mean, like it was before. Yeah. I he was, I guess, a little old for the role. Maybe. Anyway, I I like to laugh at the way the show portrayed it because you know Wyman Manderley in the show during the King in the North speech for John yells out, you know, he avenged the Red Wedding. No, actually, Ramsay avenges the Red Wedding in the show. He kills his father. He kills Walda and her uh, child you know, her newborn child, which is in the show Red Wedding. That's pretty much, you know, same thing. That's kill Rob, his mom, and uh, his uh, his wife with baby and belly in the show, Talisa, my favorite character from the canon. And <laughs> that's the irony of it, that Roos conducted this wedding. This was not something Ramsay actually had a hand in, right? Ramsay was laissez-faire when it came to the Red Wedding, but Roos helped orchestrate that, and Roos wanted to slide into this powerful position and take where the Starks were. This is what he gets. He's getting killed off by his bastard son. I can see it in, like, and I, I see your point of how it parallels Tyrion killing off the other orchestrator mm-hmm. of the Red Wedding. But it, for me, then, I'm just like, what? So it, it can go two ways. Like, on one hand, yes, it can be, like, that strong parallel between the two, or it can be... Roos doing the opposite of what Tywin did and I don't know yeah I don't know that he would kill Ramsay but like it, it's is it too on the nose if both of them Roos's battle is with Stannis so if one of them stays or goes we find out then but I think Ramsay's battle will be with Jon I don't think it's going to be a battle of the bastards per se but I do think that Jon has to have some sort of involvement in getting his sister back yeah, and, and going up against Ramsay. I, ju- I just see, like, Roos as maybe what? Like, I don't know that things get wrapped up that neatly in A Song of Ice and Fire, and they don't. But, of course, it would be interesting if there were a Lady Stoneheart confrontation, but George doesn't give us the things that we want in that Yeah, way. and I really don't see Lady Stoneheart making it north. I know the outline I obviously mean, had Catelyn dying north of the wall, but that's... Plainly changed, as we know. Um, so I just don't see her getting that just, much farther north than where she is right now in the Riverlands. I just think of that I see Roos is framed similarly to the way like Varys and Littlefinger is, right? In that they are quite unsus- initially unsuspected characters and underestimated, and as opposed to Ramsay. Yeah, but it kind of goes with that whole transitional villain idea, too. That Roos yeah. isn't, you know, the transitional villain uh, between the Joffrey to Euron kind of thing. He, it's Ramsay. So I guess we'll wait to see. We'll find out in uh, next week when the book comes out. Yeah. And I mean, as as we said, like, I think that your case is very strong in, like, all the things that you've said. And, of course, like, the show actually has that right. happening. Yeah, and I do think that's one thing that it's just, and maybe it's, I mean, Bruce has to die, so there's no reason for it to be, yeah, I mean, they all do. 
all men must die. But... Well, the Bolton specifically. Yeah, the they should... Ex- yeah, except for Walda Bolton. Oh, except she's going to die. Yeah, she is, but they deserved... Yeah, absolutely. Walda, Gatehouse Amy. I hope Gatehouse Amy survives. I hope somehow she's the oh. only heir to the house of Frey. Uh, that would take a lot of Gatehouse Amy death, but I hope Amory is yeah. somehow the lady of House Frey in the end. I mean, Gatehouse Amy being the lady of the Gatehouse. Yeah, yeah I can cool. do it. So yeah. Roos says a year later that the Miller's wife came to his doorstep with a gross ass little red baby Ramsey in her arms after he fucked her. And he was forced to accept Ramsey was his because of their matching creepy ass eyes. He claims the woman poisoned Ramsay with ideas of his birthrights. And Roos kind of talks about how he thinks Ramsay is a weak bitch, which again, underestimating him is probably not a good idea in this scenario, but I, di- I digress. Reek defends him and he says Ramsay's not afraid of anyone. And Roos says, well, he should be. Roos mentions Reek should tell Ramsay he should be more afraid of the Northern Lords, but Reek is like, I, I-, I can't. What are you talking about? Like, he'll... Hill and Roos is like, I know, I know. The guy's psycho and we should have leeched him for correct Theon. <laughs> Which like, okay, first off, it's a little late for that. Yeah, you should have leeched him. Like, I don't think that'll get the bad blood out, dude. I don't think it I don't think leeching him would have done anything, but you know, that's a thing that you could have chosen to do. You're I still think. standing here like the little bitch you are, so you know. Yeah. When Roos says that Ramsay should have fear, it does make me think again of Ned Stark. Because it always does nowadays. And I'm like, oh, the good people have fear and they face their fears anyways. Yeah, and that's the thing is obviously Roos is garbage and he's horrible. However, compared to Ramsey, he's like a walk in the park. I mean, if you're on his good side, yeah. You're not, you know, a Stark or, you know, like he, I would choose him over Ramsey any day. I'd be like, yes, Roos daddy, what up? Like, I'll marry you. Yeah, and I mean, all you have to do is, I guess, be enthusiastic in bed, and he'll be like, yeah, I, I could be fond yeah, of you. that's, you know what? Hey, I've had worse relationships. <laughs> oh my god, all right. Reek says to Roos, whoa, Ramsey is your only son, and Roos is like, for now. And also, lol foreshadowing, again. Like, there's just all these little bits that are like, ah, what's gonna happen? There's obvious tension being built with Dad and Ramsey. Roos tells him yeah. that story of dumb Eric that we talked about earlier, and... How dumb Eric was basically everything you want in a true born son. A true born son. I mean, he was. He was a good boy. Yeah, he could outrace anyone, even Rickard Stark's daughter, my girl. Oh, is this a is this RLJ? Yeah, RLJ. She was half RLJ? a horse herself. Wow. Which there is a wow. line here. Uh, it's a little tag, basically nod toward uh, what a lot of people use in the Night of the Laughing Tree explanation, which is you know she was half a horse herself, and then. To be good in jousting, which dumb Eric was rumored to be, you know, he'd be great and be able to enter the list soon. Uh, to be great at jousting, Aww. though, you needed to be a good horseman, first and foremost. So jot that down, because mm-hmm. neither the mm-hmm. laughing tree is Lyanna Stark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, it is. <sighs> yeah, dumb Eric served in the Vale as a squire to Lord Redfort. He was Lady Dustin's page for a time, and he knew the high harp and songs, and he read histories. Ramsay sought him out. Is he like Rhaegar? He's basically like Rhaegar. Dumb Eric would have been such a northern heartthrob had he been allowed to, you know, live. Yeah, but I guess we can't have nice things. Dumb Eric, putting the dumb in the Eric, sought out Ramsay because he wanted to meet his only brother. 
And then he came up with a sickness of the bowels and he died. And that's the end of dumb Eric. I've never heard of someone having a sickness of the bowels and being assassinated before. <laughs> uh, killed by his enemies. Oh. Poisoned. Now, now his bones lie beneath the dreadfort with the bones of his brothers who died still in the cradle, and I am left with Ramsay. Tell me, my lord, if the kinslayer is accursed, what is a father to do when one son slays another? Or when son slays father... Which is a theme this story explores. But it could explore the other way. We haven't explored the other way around. That could be a thing. I'm just saying. <gasps> Roos sitting on a toilet, looking up as Ramsey's there with a crossbow. Does it, the Roos is loose bowels. <laughs> That's what we have for all of you today. Oh my god. Reek says... Uh, that Roos has a new wife to give him sons. And Roos says, eh, knows that they're not going to live. Because Ramsey would never allow that. And Reek is kind of wondering why Roos is having this midlife crisis at him. And asks what he wants with him. Which is some very people just confessing random things to Sansa vibes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> why is this? Why are they telling me these things? And Roos says that a bath is going to make you sweeter. And offers him some clothes, some fineries, velvet, clothing that, you know, things that he used to like and wear often. But Reek cannot disobey Ramsay. And he's also, I think he's also just ashamed of his body and that people are going to learn what else has been taken from him if they dress him. Yeah, absolutely. It's killing me, too, because all these people are looking at him, all these northern lords, and they're like, what the fuck? Theon Turncloak? What the fuck? What's wrong with this motherfucker? But they're doing nothing about it. Like, you know it's him, and you see what's happening to him, and, like, it doesn't matter if he was the Turncloak. Like, are there no true knights among you? No, because there aren't any knights in the north, Chloe. Oh, that's Except true. For Jorah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, like, there are none anymore because they all died in war. Also true. But they when don't do that shit. Left. They don't do that shit up there. Yeah. So, Roos does the weirdest thing, which is he thanks Reek for taking down the north, and Reek's like, what the fuck? And Roos is like, I mean, you no harm. And Reek is like, what the fuck? Stares at the camera. What the fuck? Like, just whispering <laughs> at the camera. And they arrive at Barrow Hall, finally. Roos leads them to a keep where Lady Dustin and the late Lord Dustin's arms fly. They climb the stairs to the hall, Reek's legs weak all the while, to see Lady Dustin. Lady Dustin is highborn, and she's showing some small signs of aging, but she stands tall and unbent and handsome, and she immediately asks where the boy is, worried that Ramsay refused to give him up until the realization dawns that this is it! Here is the boy! This thing that I brought you this week, this is Theon. Here's the pair of larvae. Yes, this is it. <laughs> and they begin to go back and forth. And she's like, what the hell happened to him? Roos is like, oh, you know, he was with Ramsay and he's missing a few bits. She's like, is he mad? And Roos is like, I mean, maybe. Maybe. But does it matter? Reek could hear no more. Please, my lord. My lady, there's been some mistake. He fell to his knees, trembling like a leaf in a winter storm, tears streaming down his ravaged cheeks. I'm not him. I'm not the turncloak. He died at Winterfell. My name is Reek. He had to remember his name. It rhymes with freak. Oh. Oh. Like a leaf in a winter storm, tears streaming down his ravaged cheeks. Such good imagery. 
the prose, the imagery, all of it in these chapters, the construction of these chapters are perfect. It has this like heart-wrenching sadness and disgust and we're not even through it yet. And I'm already sentimental at this journey. You know, I'm already getting really emotional about it because it breaks my heart to see kind of what his plots devolve to on the TV show compared to where we know he's going in the book because his story is so gripping and terrifying and upsetting and it's a bit watered down because now we want him to get this redemption. We've watched him suffer at length, chapter by chapter. We want him to get to safety, to go to a home, a place he can be home, a place to be safe. These ones are kind of like the worst, most grueling ones because it's literally torture. But the payoff in the last couple chapters of his yes. are really, really good. Like the weirwood scenes and I'm ready. <laughs> it's just like that this ends with like just him. He he can't break it. And I, I, I'm also just thinking like Bruce Bolton and lady dustin are just like in the room like looking like surprised pikachu because i'm always gonna think about that meme constantly and they're just like what <laughs> what just happened what is here wrong with this dude? like oh my god yeah. i did not oh god what is wrong with this kid <laughs> like how are we gonna fucking pull this off yeah absolutely <sighs> i need a cigarette you know, this is a he- these are some heavy chapters I don't smoke cigarettes but i need a cigarette dude it's downhill from here before it goes back uphill you know we gotta wait yeah, it gets worse we gotta we wait through it wedding we have like all of those things with jane still yeah that's gonna be awful yeah it doesn't get better at this god i hate yet. this stupid podcast we do yeah but we're gonna keep doing it we will be back next week for episode 42 uh just for you guys you guys yep and you know stay tuned with when we put out that next episode we have our social media where you can subscribe to us on twitter at girls gone canon or shoot us an email at girls gone canon at gmail.com hey make sure you're subscribed to one of our many ways to listen to us we are available to stream on spotify on itunes on google play on stitcher and on acast sure and of course we have a new Patreon episode this week. It's our February Patreon episode, which is talking about the closing out ending, not closing out, which is talking about the end of the Dance of the Dragons. We have parts one and two up on our Patreon right now, and all subscribers who are $5 plus will get those episodes. You'll definitely get it if you're a blood subscriber. A blood level, Christ. absolutely the new tier yeah. that we came up with. It's not blood riders; it's literally the horse named no, blood. Just blood. <laughs> yes, blood. You will get a severed head and a Patreon episode. <laughs> yes, that is the level. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, guys, I'm Chloe. Find me on the internet as at Liza Arbor. And of course, I am Eliana. You might know me as Glass Table Girl. Probably goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>